Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all, to feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. The Dart Depot is proud to be partnering with SENZ to bring you the very best in darts. 180. Talking darts, this is At The Oki on SENZ. Kia ora everyone and welcome into a podcast special for At The Oki. It is Ben Francis here and thank you so much for tuning in. Firstly, I just want to pay a special thanks to our sponsors, The Dart Depot. The Dart Depot, dart, startboards, lighting and more. Find it all at The Dart Depot. Coming up on this special podcast edition of At The Oki, I caught up with a former PDC tour card holder, a former Australian World Cup representative, and today you'll find his dulcet tones doing commentary, punditry, and even some coaching. And that is Paul Nicholson. Yes, Paul, a former Australian World Cup representative. Even though he was born in England, he did move down here, played in the DPA, and qualified that way and recently he's had a few great pieces talking a bit about ways to try grow the game down here in Australia and New Zealand so when he had a spare moment I picked his brain about ways we can try grow the game down here take a listen you're listening to SCNZ's At The Yockey here with Ben Francis, and we've got a bit of a podcast special for this one. I'm delighted to be joined by former Australian World Cup representative, a former PDC player, and now a commentator pundit, amongst other things, and that is Paul Nicholson. Paul, how are you today? Very well, Ben. Very, very nice to be with you. Now, I appreciate uh, your time today. I know you're a very busy man, so it's great to uh, get you on the show and uh, have a chat to you. So firstly, I just want to ask a bit about... The dart scene, how do you see things at the moment? How, how would you rate 2022? I think it's been pretty good. I don't think we've had the biggest story of the year yet. I think we started the season with uh, a great deal of expectation. Obviously, Peter Wright becoming world champion for the second time was, was an incredible story after an amazing championship. But I think Danny Noppert winning the UK Open over Michael Smith almost set the tone for what was going to happen over the course of maybe the next few seasons. The period of dominance for one player over the course of most of a decade, it seems that that is not the case anymore, even though Michael van Gerwen has had a, a recovery year, winning the Premier League and obviously winning the uh, the World Match Player and, and other things like that. He's had a really good time of it down under and in New Zealand as well. But I'm fascinated by what people are going to do from now until the end of the World Championship. And I wouldn't be surprised to see multiple different major champions from here on out. I guess especially with such a busy schedule, you know, this is the time of year where things really ramp up. We've got lots of tournaments uh, every week that is coming and it's really going to almost like it's almost like a survival of fittest. It is. And the schedule management of the players has got to be pinpointed. If it isn't, you will find that players will tire at the wrong times. And in all due respect to a lot of the events that they will play, but if your schedule management is such, you've got to be really strong for the World Grand Prix. 
you've got to be really strong for the European Championship, the Grand Slam, the Players' Championship Finals, and the World Championship. All of the stuff in between, you do want to do well in that. But if you're at the top of the rankings, not trying to save your tour card with the PDC or uh, trying to make your way into events, if you're safe, then schedule management is going to come into it. And there's only a couple of European tour events left. And we already know that Gettering Price is not going to play uh, this week in Belgium. So we're starting to see people picking and choosing what they need to do already. Yeah, well, you kind of have to almost because you think of, you know, especially a guy like Gerwin who's just been away. He was in Australia and New Zealand a long time away. You kind of do have to find those rare opportunities of rest to get. And look, Paul, a big reason why I wanted to get you on to have a talk was I saw a piece you did like a few weeks ago. I can't remember the publication it was on, but it was talking a bit more about growing the game and you pinpointed Australia and New Zealand as part of that in terms of potentially having like a pro tour event down this way. Could you please talk to us a bit about that? Yeah, I was, I've worked for Sporting Life for three years now doing uh, different pieces about the serious side of the game and the fun elements of what's in the future and what's happened in the past. But I, I firmly believe now that we have, uh, we've almost centralised the PDC side of things in Europe over the last 10 years. And in order for the PDC's growth model to go a little bit further, we need to start putting ranking events overseas outside of Europe. That's my personal belief. I am not in the boardroom with the PDC, so I'm not privileged to the information and the meetings that they have. But my personal opinion is that we have an opportunity now to put ranking tournaments for the tour card holders in different parts of the world. The World Series has worked so well since we started it around 10 years ago, I think if we're going to take it a little bit further, we need to do something that isn't the same as the last 10 years. We need to, to do something evolutionary as opposed to revolutionary. So my thought process is if we can put ranking tournaments back in Australia, because we have had them there before, if we can put them in New Zealand, if we can put them in Japan, in North America, we can widen the scope of the ranking tournaments, not being in just... Barnsley, Wigan, Niedenhausen in Germany. Some players are starting to get, not, not bored, but just maybe their feet are going to sleep a little bit when they think about ranking action. When I was coming through the ranking system in 2008 and 2009, you'd wake up on a Tuesday morning and think, okay, where am I going this week? And these days, more of the players are thinking, it's just another trip to Barnsley. It's just another trip to Wigan. And as nice as those places are and as you know, as good as the infrastructure is with those two venues, I think we need to give some of the players in Europe and some of the players from around the world another opportunity to go and play in different places. And with that comes the opportunity of maybe naming tournaments after the great players from yesteryear and giving them titles to shoot for instead of, and I'm doing this with inverted commas, Players' Championship 10, as great as it is, it doesn't have a great deal of romance to it. Maybe we can have something a little bit more grand than that in the future. And that's my thought process. Yeah, which is completely understandable. And I guess the other upside of it as well is, say you do come to a place like Australia or New Zealand, you're going to try grow, you're going to grow the talent that's already here. Um, 
Australia have had some tour card holders. You, you yourself have represented Australia. Uh, New Zealand has unfortunately not had any tour card holders, but they've had a couple of guys. Uh, Cody Harris and Hopi Puha are guys in the last couple of years who have come so close. Like I'm talking about like one went away from making it. But I, I really feel that you, know, you, you bring that kind of thing down here, it encourages more people to give it a go. And before you know it, there probably will be a New Zealander on, on the PDC tour. It's very true. When we go back to 2008 and 2009 when I was coming through, and one of the reasons why I have this point of view is because I've seen it from both sides of the coin. I've seen the tour card era and I've seen the open era where players from America were playing in the US Open when uh, Australians and New Zealanders would, New Zealanders would travel to Australia to play in the Australian Open over the course of three years. The amount of representation just adds that little bit of extra spice and for me, it, it just opens it up to a few more possibilities. When you see players coming through in World Series events, it's great. They, they can go on the stage and have uh, a chance to beat a legendary player or someone who's really hot right now. But if you give them a game on the floor, that's maybe a better breeding ground to find more talent. We've been very blessed to find the likes of Hopes and Cody and uh, Damon Hetter and Kyle Anderson and those guys come from Oceania. But I think we need to start digging deeper. I think we need to start finding these guys in Asia. And the, the idea of an Asian championship this year is a great idea. But I want everybody to be able to play in that, not just the people on the Asian tour. And I think that kind of thing would be great for the game going forward to give massive championships around the world a shot. And uh, maybe we can put to bed this argument of what is a major I mean, we don't have enough time to talk about that. But there are some tournaments on the calendar which, for me, are a bit soulless, whereas we can replace those with events, potentially, which have got a really new feel and a fresh feel for the future. I know it's a bit similar, uh, but I was almost like, you know, when I was reading, you know, ideas come into my head and I was almost thinking, would like a similar to like a European tour event kind of work down here? Let's say you have the same argument, say 16 PDC guys come down here and then you have like eight qualifiers, just as an example. Yeah, I think we could go down a few different routes. I think the big thing about trying to take ranking events globally is is the cost factor because let's face it, the majority of the tour card holders are from uh, the UK and, and mainland Europe. So if we are going to put ranking action in Australia, New Zealand and, and around the world, it's really important to have some sort of model that works for the home-based players who don't have cards and, to be fair, to the people who have them. That's the thing that the, the board from the PDC would potentially have to balance. Now, again, this is just my idea of how to move forward. If they think this is a dreadful idea and they say, we don't want to do that, fair enough. But I'm always... I'm almost subscribed to the PDC way of thinking of that you don't stand still. And if you do that, you're going backwards. Whereas if you're constantly looking forward for new ideas, then that's the way to go. There's going to be lots of different opinions as to what would work if we had an Australasian championship, a Japanese championship, a North American championship, for all tour card holders and everybody else. But I think that's the way that you can potentially invite more people into playing this action as opposed to just having the select few. What do you think of the current standard of darts down here in Australia and New Zealand? You would have seen quite a few of the qualifiers at the recent World Series events. Uh, you know, we had Hopi represent New Zealand, we had Ben Robb, Caden Milne, and then a couple of the veterans of the New Zealand game, uh, Warren Parry and Bernie Smith. 
I've known Waza for so many years and I just admire the fact that he's still playing world-class darts even 15 years after I met him. He's just a typical relaxed Kiwi who I absolutely adore. But I think what we're doing with uh, with Aussies and New Zealanders right now is we're looking to the future. We're looking at Hawks. We're looking at Ben, uh, Ben Rob, that is. And we want to see the next phase of Kiwi darts. And it's the same with Australia as well. I mean, I, I look at a young player called uh, Brandon Weening, who's a bit of a firecracker. And uh, there's, a, there's a young lad in, in Victoria called Stuart Coburn as well, who's got a lot of talent. And these are the guys that I want to find. And I also want to find the girls as well, because the ladies game is starting to progress. Obviously, Tori Kewish is a heavyweight hitter in Australasia. And uh, Corinne Hammond has relocated to the UK now. But I want to find both the, uh, the, the great male players of the future from that area and the female players. And I just get the feeling that these players can be found if we've got the right model. And coming to Australia and New Zealand for three weeks a year, I think is enough. But we need to make sure that we do enough in those three weeks to find enough talent. And as for right now, it's good enough. But we always need to be worrying about what we can do next with it. Do you think, uh, you look at Australia and at the moment you have Simon and Damon and Gigi as their representatives, uh, you know, you'll just look at Damon and what he's managed to do in the last few years. Where If New Zealand does get a person on that tour, do you really see like that kind of game going to the next level here in terms of more people going like, wow, we've got a Kiwi actually on the tour? Do you kind of see it rising up a bit? I do, actually. Uh, I've got to know Cody Harris quite well, actually, when he was playing Challenge Tour in places like Germany and the UK. And his mentality was fantastic. And I really wanted him to succeed because I genuinely thought that Cody was going to be the person to break through. It hasn't happened, unfortunately, for Codes. But as far as moving things forward, if you look at what's happened in other parts of the world, look at John Part in 1994. Canadian darts was a bit, uh, you know... We had Bob Sineve and, and some other guys from, from Canada saying, you know, it's, it's a good hobby to have. But as soon as they got a world champion, you started to see more Canadians taking it seriously. The effect of myself and Simon Whitlock from Australia, particularly Simon, because when they started to show live darts in Australia, as opposed to having a six-month delay, which when I first moved there was borderline embarrassing, the effect of Simon making the final of the World Championship against Phil Taylor in 2010, it was uh, it was seismic because everybody started to think, hold on, he's just won how much for that World Championship? And he made the, the top 20 of the world in a matter of weeks. And the next thing you know, we've got an iconic talent that everybody admires and everybody wants to be like that person. Australia has Simon, they have Damon, and the effect of them winning the World Cup will be big as well because now people want to... Uh, want to mimic that in the future. I think if New Zealand can get someone who is a genuinely world-class talent, who is willing to sacrifice everything they've got to be someone in the top 32 in the world, the repercussions will be just the same as Australia. Yeah, it's been it's been quite hard here because over here we really felt we we're making good progress. And of course, then COVID happened and then the PDC players hadn't had the chance to, to come over here and... I don't know how well it was reported in the UK, but New Zealand had very, very strict lockdown procedures. So uh, Ben played at the last World Champs. He essentially hadn't really played anyone darts-wise since August because we had lockdowns. And yeah. uh, he, he admits it, and we can see it as well, that 
uh, when the world champs came around and he played Rusty Jake, he kind of didn't have that match sharpness, which really lacked. And now I guess it's trying to just try to build that momentum back up again. And hopefully the guy like Ben or Hopi, I think, I know, I think Hopi has committed to going to Q school. I don't know about Ben yet. I'm assuming he will. Um, but you know, we're going to have a couple of guys over there giving it a shot, but I guess trying to get on the tour is probably the hardest part with how many people actually want to go to Q school and very little spots available. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, you think about someone like Glenn Durant, for instance, he should have been eliminated in Q school. He probably shouldn't have got a card in the first place, but he got a little bit of fortune. He took it. And then after that, he won a tournament on the PDC circuit really quickly. He ended up winning a second, then obviously went on to win the Premier League. Now, I know that Glenn Durant had pedigree before that, but if you look at uh, the confidence levels you can bring from Australasia uh, by bossing it down there, coming into the tour with that confidence and making an impact immediately. It's just not, it, it's not just me who did that. I won in my first season, I won in uh, my second season and my third season. But you look at, you know, Simon was unbelievable in his first full season. Absolutely unbelievable. And you've got to ride that wave of confidence. So if you can bring that here, get through that real lottery of Q school, then the world really could be your oyster. But you've got to surround yourself with people that are uh, willing to back you. You've got to have a support network that uh, is going to be positive. And if you've got the right sponsors as well to make sure that you're not struggling financially, then you can do what Damon's done. One of the most amazing things that I've seen over the last two or three years is the support that Megan Hetter has given Damon. She's gone everywhere when he needs it. And they're a team. You need to have a team if you're going to shoot forward and you're making those sacrifices. One of the hardest things for Kyle when he came over here was that his family was back in Western Australia. It really hurt him that he couldn't bring them with him. And I just wonder what would have happened if, if they were here. But Kyle was still tremendously positive. And he carved out his own story. And I really want a New Zealander to have that kind of story so they can go back to New Zealand uh, one or two weeks a year with the World Series or whatever they do and say, look what's possible. I, I think you all can do it as well. I, I do think it's possible. I've been in New Zealand myself a couple of times. I've seen the passion for the game, seen depth of talent, just need someone to break through and prove to everybody in the darting community that it's there. Yeah, exactly. And that's some great words from you there, Paul. And uh, before we wrap up, as we touched on earlier, a bit of a busy schedule coming up. What kind of events are you looking forward to on the on the PDC calendar? Well, I'm a huge fan of World Grand Prix dots. I love double start stuff. They don't play enough of it. <laughs> I don't want this to come across like I'm complaining because uh, every October when we've got the World Grand Prix and I get really excited because that's my that's my format. I used to love playing double start. So I'm looking forward to seeing if Johnny Clayton can defend his title. Obviously, he's going to go into that with form. He made the semifinals of the World Series finals uh, in the last uh, 48 hours. And Gerwin Price is coming into form at the right time, isn't he? Winning in New Zealand, winning in the Netherlands for the first time. And one thing I have to touch on uh, before we go into the, the later part of the year, because it's obviously, you know, it's nearly October now. We're all getting ready for the Worlds already. It's just the way we're, we're built. But wasn't it great to see two guys who are really passionate about rugby on a Kiwi rugby field, like two kids in a sweet shop? It genuinely made me smile inside because I think that little moment for those guys could tell us who wins the majors over the next three or four months. 
that little piece of inspiration for those two Welsh lads. I think that's one of the reasons why Clayton and Price will definitely win a major before the end of the season. Yeah, it was it was great seeing them both on the field. I know they were both really excited about it, talking to them, talking to them before it. And I think Gerwin said he needed a massage afterwards because he hadn't done anything like that. But uh, <laughs> well, before I let you go, um, so I I try to play a bit of darts myself. Uh, due to my work schedule, I can't really go to any of my local clubs because I, literally I'm not kidding everything I do conflicts so I play a practice a bit at home I've got a dartboard here set up at work I try practice when I can uh, but we just had our show just before uh, myself and Ben Rob do and I said on air that this weekend I'm making the time and I'm going to be taking part in my first DPNZ event pro tour okay. event so I, I need to get I need to get a bit of advice and how in terms of how to handle the day. It's going to be a massive moment for me. I haven't done anything like this before, so I need I need some advice from a master like yourself. Whatever the start time is, make sure you get there nice and early. The, the, one of the worst things you can do is get there late and make sure that you know everything's done in a rush. One of the the, the best things you can do is prepare properly, and I don't just mean putting in the practice leading up to the first tournament. There's no pressure on you going into your first DPNZ event. I remember my first DP event like it was yesterday and I had no expectation. So lift the expectation from your shoulders and throw it away. Go and enjoy it. Learn from everything you see. And the more you learn on that first day, the more prepared you'll be for the next one. Just remember that the big hitters shoulder the pressure in these tournaments there's no pressure on you you can go in there as the underdog and play that card that is the biggest thing you can do on the day so enjoy it don't have any expectations and anything that goes wrong on the day write it down anything that goes really well write it down and then the following day read it and then you realize how you're actually feeling under pressure and when you learn about how you behave under pressure the more uh, the more quickly you will progress that is very good advice because every time I have played, I do not do well under pressure. So I'm taking that on board. I'm, I'm, I'm literally going to write it down right now. <laughs> but, can I give um, you one last piece of advice as well, Ben? I, I, I want all the advice I can get. Anybody who goes into uh, a more pressure-filled situation for the first time, the first thing they forget to do is breathe. So whenever you feel like you're under a bit of pressure or a big moment's coming up or, or if you just want to take two seconds, take a big deep breath so it's, Breathe in for three, out for five, then move on. It's just a, a meditation tactic that I use and a lot of other guys do in sport. But the worst thing you can do uh, to compound the kind of anxiety and pressures that you will feel on a, on a tournament day is holding your breath and feeling tense. So just remember to breathe. Well, thank you very much for that advice, Paul. And hopefully my name might be up on the, and near the winner's list. I'm not getting my hopes up, though. But <laughs> uh, Paul Nicholson, thank you so much for your time today and talking to me. And uh, hopefully you'll be down these ways sometime soon. Thank you very much, Ben. It's been my pleasure to speak to you. That there was the asset. Paul Nicholson, of course, a 2010 Players' Championship Finals winner. He was also the runner-up to Phil Taylor in the Champions League of Darts. And, of course, we cannot forget he was unfortunately part of that Australian team along with Simon Whitlock, who, boy, they lost in an epic, epic final to England in the World Cup of Darts. I think that was 2012 off the top of my head. So thank you so much to Paul uh, for his time and some great, great ideas floated around there. We might have to take some of those uh, to hire people up than myself. But uh, once again, 
awesome having Paul on the program. Don't forget every second Monday on SENZ, don't forget to tune in to At The Yockey with myself and Big Rig Ben Rob. We appreciate all the support and a massive, massive thank you once again to the Dart Depot, darts, dartboards, lighting, and more, the Dart Depot. Thanks for tuning in to our podcast special featuring Paul Nicholson. Our next show for At The Oki will be October the 3rd. Stay tuned for another great edition coming up on SCNZ.